0: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Transportation and Logistics podcast, powered by Atlanta Dispatch, Humblebee Enterprises. I am excited to be here today with our very special guest. Uh, Right now we have Aaron in the room. Uh, We're also going to be joined by Michael Clements, Jr., there of PDQ America. And before we begin, um, you know, I'll start with this. I was at Planet Fitness today. Um, basically, there five days a week, and you know you're in the gym. You happen to see folks, and you know uh, you see people enough. You, you give a head nod, and you see them more. And so, what's up? And you know, before before like I mean, too long, you're going to be talking. So, this particular conversation that happened today, um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty good one. But it reminded me that you know it's getting cold out here. And there are a lot of displaced people, um, especially in the Atlanta area, but it's all across the nation. Um, so, you know, if you do have those those items, those pants, those jeans, those coats that you're gonna be, that are just sitting there, maybe you can get rid of them. Um, I say that there's definitely some people that can uh, use that. So that's what that brother charged me with today. Um, he, he hosts um, a mobile cleaning. So he basically drives around Atlanta And he has mobile showers, so he services a lot of displaced people uh, around some of the churches that he frequents. So um, if you have those opportunities, if you have those type of organizations around you, um, church or anything that kind of has that type of program uh, to to donate to displaced people, I would just say just look into it because it really could make a difference in somebody's life um also i'm publishing that book on fundamentals of dispatching so i'm excited about that um yeah so that's that's that we're (laughs) and again we're joined by michael clements jr and aaron dunn how are you fellas doing it looks like you hey what's up michael how you doing what's up
1: jory it's good good to be talking with you again
0: yes sir yes sir Hey, Aaron, look, so if you guys don't know, these these gentlemen invited me onto their podcast recently. I had a great time. Uh, they got a chance to learn more about me, but I'm very excited to be able to, you know, highlight them and the things that they got going on. And, you know, before, you know, just to just to go ahead and start, Michael, you are the president of PDQ. And a question that I really like to ask people is, When you went to college, did you plan on being in supply chain or did you fall into it? Uh,
1: I fell into it, Um, Jory. I I had no intentions whatsoever of being in the supply chain. Uh, My family background is in manufacturing, and that was where I landed out of college. It was through manufacturing that really I learned supply chain, the importance of it, how how critical it is, and uh really since i've been involved with it i've just found out really how important the people are that make logistics work
0: uh yes sir no i love it man uh to be honest i was saying that 99 percent of the time people have that type of background where they didn't plan for it but they found it and they fell in love with it and you know i too am one of those people and aaron your your experience is you know very diverse um what would you say is a role from your past that best puts you in a position to do well as a freight broker or working for a freight brokerage?
2: That's a great question, man. Uh yeah, that's that's the uh byproduct of a a college dropout. <laughs> so I've had a diverse uh I've had a diverse career. But I would say uh, you know, when I first got involved in freight brokering and started to figure out what it was, and Michael was, you know, helping me understand it. Um, when I was a recruiter, I, I worked as a recruiter for a little while for a company called medicalrecruiting.com. Recru- recruited uh, uh, master's level nurses. And I was like, Oh, so my recruiting experience um, was immediately uh, kind of came into, uh, I was like, Oh, I can apply this because, you know, I'm in between the people who need to hire somebody and the people who want to be hired just like a freight brokerage is in the between the people who need stuff shipped and those people that ship the stuff and so the recruiting experience paired with the sales experience that i had put me uh, i think set me up pretty well oh man
0: i love that analogy i can see that you know the, the similarities between you know the people who needed a, a job and people who need a a carrier now that's i can definitely see how that can translate well the correspondence that you have to do in between both parties uh, and you just facilitating the whole, the whole shebang. No, I, I definitely get that. Um, and the, the funny thing is you say that, you know, as a you know, the, the background as a college dropout, um, but here's the thing, what I've learned is this is what I've truly learned to do what I'm doing right now. I did not need to go to college. I did not need to go to school to do what I'm doing right now. It, You know, I've gotten a nice network, but um, to do what I do, what I'm doing, the things that I love to do, um, I did not need to go to school for that. So um, if people are listening in, um, make your choice. But, you know, (laughs) there are a lot of options out here. Just know that. Um, So, Michael, uh, what are all the service offerings of PDQ America and which came first?
1: So currently, right now, we offer uh, our, our mainstream and what we're good at is freight brokering. And we we specialize in the flatbed, step deck, and open deck arena. We will do some drayage and some drive-in, but predominantly we do open deck hauling. Uh, that's not exactly how I started off in the business. Uh, it was It was with trucks. Uh, and just like most folks, I started off with a gooseneck trailer and a hotshot truck. So it was a, it was a uh, used F-450 that the dealership had that someone traded it in with a trailer. So it was a truck and trailer package deal. Then um, they were really just trying to get rid of it. It was an older piece of equipment. Got that truck and trailer started and uh, started adding trucks from there. Uh, it took about... Probably eight months before I began seeing that I could not afford to just continue adding a truck every time someone had a load, and I it 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 really what 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 kind of happened with our business story was was we we worked in the oil and gas industry and it was kind of like okay we we would haul for one customer and then we we started hauling for more and more and the more phone calls we got the more I wanted to take care of them well I would just call the bank and I would say hey I I need to get another loan and it was it was going okay for a while but eventually you you start running up this debt and as as that debt started to run up uh the oil and gas industry at the time this was 2014 2015 uh the oil and gas industry started to go down well while it was peaking I kind of said, well, you know, I I see all these brokers that I'm getting loads from to get back to Texas. I wonder if I could just move some of these loads I get from customers through a brokerage. And so in my mind, I was like, well, other people do it. I don't know why I can't. Um, And from there, I started learning more about what brokers did. And, And I'll tell you really what a driving force for us to be a brokerage was really working with at the time, a lot of really bad brokers. Uh-huh. Um the customer service level of brokerages at the time was, was very poor. There were, Really, there was none on the carrier side. And so even if you go back to early documents in our business, like our very first carrier packet and things, I put a story in there that basically just said one of the reasons why we got in the brokering business was because I, I knew there could be a higher level of broker. And, and I feel like nowadays, I feel like there is almost more of a customer service aspect than there was just five, six, seven years ago for the carrier side of it um, and, and what you deal with on the dispatch side. I, I, I like to hope that brokerages have gotten better with that. But um, back to your question, though, um, I started off on the trucking side of it and eventually my, my business ran out and I was stuck with a lot of trucks and trailers that I didn't know what to do. I I didn't know what to do with all of it and uh, I started having to sell the equipment to pay back the loans that I had but I still had my brokerage license and I still had customers calling me that needed some loads moved here and there but it wasn't at the rate that it was to keep we at our peak we were at 13 trucks and Well, essentially, man, it just, it it hit a wall. And so it kind of forced my hand on the brokerage. And so I started looking at the technology, what all went into it, how to build a brokerage. And probably 2016, 2017, that's what I set out to really do was start trying to create a brokerage that would help our area where we live in East Texas from a customer service point of view and be able to service the oil field, which was something that not a whole lot of brokers uh, were doing at the time.
0: Mm, gotcha gotcha and you said east texas how far from houston
1: so we're about three and a half hours north of houston where we're located um yeah we're so we're about an hour hour west of shreveport three and a half hours north of houston and a couple hours east of dallas
0: okay gotcha gotcha i don't know if you guys are going to be in houston this weekend for freight fest but uh that's going to be brother romel's um inaugural conference uh so i'm very excited about that i'm not going to be there this year but i'm definitely going to be there in the future um so if you guys are listening in in texas you better get those tickets it's quick because i think they're almost sold out okay but look as far as uh, you know you started in trucking and then you know that's kind of risky I <laughs> that's kind of risky you know seeing the opportunity and you know getting the advancement to uh you know get the equipment to to i guess to scale up for those things i mean they I've seen it more so in the golden age of trucking where people are getting money hand over fist, but you know what gave you the i guess the courage to do that you know back then because um I wasn't in trucking at that time, but were the rates really good? Like to to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make such a huge you know risk.
1: I would say it was a product of our area more than anything. I mean, where we're at uh, in a lot of ways is long. It doesn't really matter what the economy's doing as long as oil and gas is 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 just doing okay. Um, there's usually a lot going on. Um, even, even in a down economy across the country, usually the oil and gas industry where we live, we're kind of, uh, sheltered from it a bit, but it got really bad in 2015 and 16 to the point where, uh, there just wasn't anything happening. It was the first time that we saw oil prices dip around $25, uh, in, I think two decades at that time. So it was, it was a wild it was kind of a wild time and, and just being, you know, in really my first decade of work, only halfway through it, you know, I don't have all this experience, you know, and you hear people in the industry that are saying, oh, well, it's just a cycle. It goes through cycles. And, and it's so funny. You hear the same thing in freight, you know, I, the same thing I heard in oil and gas and in manufacturing, you hear in supply chain, it's all cycles, it's all cycles. And as you grow as you grow up and you, and you, you stay in the industry, you really see it all is just cycles. You have to prepare for the worst days when you're having your best days. You don't, you don't start counting everything and saying, Hey, we're, we're going to be amazing at this. And thank, thank goodness that whenever we were making a little money, when we started, uh, it wasn't one of those things where I was running out and spending it as fast as I could, which is one of the reasons why I didn't get in too much of a financial bind. I mean, I did have a lot of loans, loans and (laughs) no loads coming in, but you know, we survived it. But you, you, you know, you learn, you, you take those experiences though, Jory, and and you say, Hey, it doesn't matter what I'm confronted with in business. As long as I have the right people and the right resources around me, there there's usually there's going to be a way out. And that was one of the reasons I was encouraged to start trucking for millennials is because At one time, I was that guy with one or two trucks thinking that I was going to take over the world. Right. And you soon realize that in this trucking business, uh, people care about you while you're doing it. But if the the day that you stop, they're just going to find somebody else. And and it's important that like you offer the best customer service that you can. You don't take a day for granted and and, and you do every if you do every deal and every job like it's your last. and, And you need to do it the absolute best that you can, you know, and. And, and it doesn't matter if you're a broker in the freight. It doesn't matter if you're the trucking company that's hauling it. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the dispatcher that's connecting that, that load to the truck. Either way, we all have to be at a hundred percent and we all know what happens when we're not. And the results aren't where they have to be. And uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of strayed away from your question there. A little bit, but, <laughs> it's
0: all good, brother. <laughs> um,
1: you know, um, man, I, get, I, I get passionate about this industry and what, what, what i know people are able to accomplish in it when they set their mind to doing good things
0: right now i love it i love it you got to get the game if you uh if you learn by going up the rough side of the mountain so i'm happy you guys uh have that that content out there i'm definitely going to touch on that a lot more um later on um as far so aaron um speaking about pdq america you know you guys are freight brokers are you looking to expand your carrier base of dependable drivers? And uh, I guess just segue into what are the requ- the requirements for the folks who are listening in that do have those flatbeds or the hot shots um, and potentially even the ones that do a heavy haul?
2: Yeah, I mean, always, always, always looking to expand the, the connections and carrier base and, you know, beyond that, deepen it, you know. Um, so as far as like requirements go, you know, DOT, MC number, you know, those like the basics, uh, you know, some some skin in the game. Um, as far as the, you know, we, 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 we don't work with, uh, carriers that don't have a lot, uh, like if you're working with like a new MC number. So, uh, we do require six months of work. Um to, to start booking loads with us. Um, But, you know, outside of that, you know, as long as you are communicative and reasonable and, you know, uh, and, and transparent, you know, we'll work with just about everybody. I mean, you know, as far as the requirements go, um, as long as you're, of course, safe, Uh, we do (laughs) checks when it comes to, You know what are your what are your safer scores look like you know what does your equipment look like have you been you know uh, do you got some tickets on your record that kind of stuff Uh, we do some compliance checks on that so got to make sure your driver scores are are good your equipment scores are good got to make sure you've got some experience in the business and then you know over and beyond that it's you know does a does a load actually make sense for you to take in terms of you know is the is a rate that you need reasonable for our customer um is uh is uh is is the way that you communicate or the dispatcher communicates to us giving us the confidence and and the trust for us to trust you on this on this load um and i mean once those boxes are checked i mean we're good to go and we love working with people on a regular basis i mean tomorrow I, i just think about like so like i mean we we do a lot of our freight in in texas a lot of it originates in texas but we have opportunities in wyoming oklahoma louisiana california florida pennsylvania i mean all across the country so uh you know you never know where you know something might pop up or where we might need somebody so flatbed step deck heavy haul 40-foot hot shots that's that's our main that's our main mode and then beyond that we have some drive in opportunities and some Dredge stuff out of Port of Houston um that we're that we're working on now. Um it's always good to have, you know, some people who can do some of those small parcels too. because um, we do like a lot of oil field work. But yeah, if if anybody's interested in working with us, we're definitely interested in working with them. Um and yeah, like what what I was gonna say is like we have one carrier that's based in Houston that's coming up to uh Kilgore, uh, city kind of close to us, and uh, we're excited to meet them, you know, face to face. Anybody that we do a lot of business with, we like meeting them face to face and making that human connection and saying, "Hey, you know, like we're we're you know, it's me. I'm flesh and blood. I'm not just a voice that you hear on the other side of a microphone. You know, it's uh, we're we're real people that do real business, and we want to do a real good job by way of our customer. And you know, as as long as we have good communication and uh, under mutual understanding of what each other's needs are, um, you know who knows what we can really accomplish together.
0: No, I love it. I definitely love it. And um, you know, I do have a quite a few folks who are seeking consistent dredge opportunities out of the port of Houston. Um, I don't know if you guys do the um, if you have any heavy haul opportunities in Atlanta, but it's a gang of folks who would be interested if he did. And, you know, I guess going back to the very beginning. Yeah. I under, I don't think people can really be mad when brokerages have, you know, a minimum age requirement on the MC, you know, you do want to see the skin in the game. You want to make sure that, uh, they got the carrier has something to lose, <laughs> that they're not, they're not just going to run off with the freight and start a new MC and, you know, go from there. So, um, if, people are listening. It's up to the the broker's discretion on what that will be. I mean, maybe sometimes it's tied to the insurance um, and what the insurance will allow that broker to, um, you know, what type of carriers they allow to um, uh, move the freight. But at the end of the day, I respect it. And what is heavy haul for the folks who don't know? Like, what, what, What describes heavy haul?
1: Hey uh, Jory, real quick, and and I just I want to touch on it because we were you, you just mentioned in the the time like the six months or three months or one year. Oh yeah, yeah. Come and and, and I, I can remember whenever we, we I first got into it, and there was a I don't even know if they're around anymore, but I think it was like Bear Bear Logistics or something. And man, I would get sucker rods from them all the time, and we would haul them from Longview down to College Station. So we, we hauled these all the time. Well, I couldn't work for them though, for the first year. And so I would call and always call in their loads. And, you know, I even tried to like, hey, you know, we've been in business now 10 months. I'd call back, we've been in business 11 months and they made me hold strong. Well, man, the day we hit our one year, I called and the lady was like, all right, we can work together now. And, mm-hmm. and you know, at the time I was like, you know, I guess they just want to see that we're a reputable carrier, this and that. But one thing I've learned on the brokerage side, one of the biggest reasons you do it is is double brokering. And it has nothing to do with the carrier or or their quality or who they are. It's so easy for someone to go get a MC number and, and pose as a trucking company. And you have to you do have to compete. You know, unfortunately, carriers, we've got to compete with double brokers and people out there that are are running shady operations that don't actually have the trucks that they say that they do. And so one of the things that we look at. Is, is how many inspections does a company have? And so where, where I, what I would encourage younger carriers and, and folks that have just gotten in the business or that have just started an MC is, uh, try to get pulled over, right? Like everyone says, don't get pulled over. Well, listen, if you're getting pulled over, you're getting clean inspections. And that's every brokerage is seeing that. So if, if you've only been in business three or four months, but you have three clean inspections, there's a good chance that we that we will have a conversation with you and see what we can do for, for you to be able to haul for us. So it's not something that we're just gonna bypass you and we're just gonna say, yeah, you've been in business less than six months. But also if we see that you have three or four clean inspections and we can we we can tell what kind of business you're operating, you can answer a few questions about your business and how you're doing some things and and there may be some other documents that we ask for, but if you can find your way through that process, there's a good chance we may be able to work with you. And so in these days, in 2022, one of the biggest things you're guarding against is double brokerages. And and the best way to do that is to get away from using carriers that were just formed yesterday.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And I'm so happy that you mentioned, you know, why it's a good thing to get those inspections. You know, that that's actually one of the things that I, I try to push. Uh, The carriers that are on my dispatch roster to do Um, and it's for that reason a lot of times I was taking on newer authorities and you know First off calling on calling brokers when you're dispatching for box trucks That means that you're making a lot of phone calls And if the reason why they don't work with you is because your authority is not old enough uh, I was encouraging these folks to go ahead and get try to get inspections So that, you know, they can see that you're running a reputable shop, um, that you're, you're not, you know, fly by the, uh, you know, that you're not about to get out of the industry because you're not operating correctly. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy that you brought that up. Um, but here's the crazy thing, right? When I was first learning how to dispatch, so I was working for a corporation, um, in my heyday, I was dispatching 13 drive-ins. Um, but when I was learning, one of the things that they actually used to tell us to look out for was a broker that had a carrier authority as well. So like if, if if I'm going to uh, check you guys out on safer or something like that, and it shows you're authorized as a broker for property and a carrier for property to watch out because those are <laughs> the people who might be able to, um, they can really facilitate a double brokering within their own organization. Um, have you ever thought about that? Has anybody ever mentioned that to you?
1: No, and I, I love that you say that because that's, as a as a broker, you're always looking to see if someone has a carrier authority. Uh, so it, it's funny you bring that up. I, I've never heard it on the flip side like that, though, no.
0: Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, if we're talking about what double brokering is, right, that means that, there is a carrier that says okay let me run that load and then they have to collude or go with some broker who has the ability to um, post this bad boy on some low board or to their carrier base that they have onboarded and that's kind of like it's a two-part facilitation but if the uh, organization has both of those they can kind of just do that in-house. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I, this is for information only. Please don't go out here and do this folks because double brokering is not accepted. But uh, you know, that's what I was kind of, that's what I was brought into the industry looking out for when I was vetting um, brokers to work with. Um, but yeah, so I think that's pretty interesting. And so Aaron, I mean, what do you feel like, I mean, you, you have a very diverse background and I know that you're in love with supply chain and freight brokering now um which duty or deliverable feels like the least like feels the least like work uh when you have to do it what do you What do you feel is something that you just like to do versus it feeling like work
2: man that's a <laughs> I'm excited to hear this Let's hear it here. <laughs> That's a good question, man. That's a good question uh I think really, though, I think uh, it's talking to customers like I don't mind talking to customers. I love talking to customers, especially those that we've worked with and for for a long time. Um, Obviously, those are the easiest conversations to have. But like those. So so like now uh, that I've been in the in the business for three years, I've built relationships with a you know, a handful. More than a handful of customers, uh, I have an understanding of you know particular industries, you know more than I I used to, and an understanding of the of the industry and the market, all that. And so, anytime that I get to speak with a customer and help them solve a problem, uh, and know that that customer's looking to me to help them solve it, that's where it doesn't really feel like work. Like that's that. I guess that's like where the most important part of my work comes in when a customer needs something. But when I'm talking to a customer and I'm just like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, like what, what, what's, what's construction looking like right now? Like what, you know, Mm -hmm. are you building anything? What's, what big projects are you doing? Like what, what are you up to in the next month or two? Or when I have a customer call me that quits one position, this happened this week, quits one position at one company, goes to a different company, and calls me and says, "Hey, man, I just really appreciated the 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 way you worked with me at the past place, and you know I, I I started talking about you you know from the first week that i that i I started over here because I want to work with you over here like that makes me feel like man that you know that that's that's not work that's that's I'm making some kind of difference uh and the work that we do is important uh for other businesses so that that's how I'd answer that
0: Nice, nice. I love it, brother. I definitely love that. And I actually have to tell you congratulations because uh, you recently earned your CTB. What is that? <laughs> what is it? And, you know, what to, you know, tell the people who've never heard of it, what that means and, you know, why is it important?
2: Yeah, so the, uh, the CTB is a certified transportation broker and it's a, a certification you know, elective, uh, that is administered. It's, it's a test administered by the transportation intermediaries association or TIA, which is our kind of the industry, um, I don't know how you would say a, uh, uh, organization that, uh, advocates and represents the freight brokering industry or the intermediaries in the industry. Um, and not only advocates, but like. Via government, but also facilitates different educational opportunities to help people further in their career. And so, um, I was introduced to the CTB program by Michael and PDQ America, and uh, uh, we, we've implemented it as part of the training that we do at PDQ. And so, uh, decided to, to take the test and it's it's pretty intensive it's in three parts it has to do with uh, the history of freight brokering so you get a lot of history on uh what what why we do freight brokering the way we do it now and how it was once done um it's a little bit of that it's a little bit of um it's a little bit of what uh, some scenarios and things like that lots of uh kind of like uh vocab. And then the the big meat and potatoes that's really interesting that you probably get the most value out of is case studies. So like when you, if if you're in a freight brokerage, especially like if, if you're in one that's not very big, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak for any other freight brokerage because I've never worked in a big one, but I can imagine that there's a lot, I mean, with the industry as dense it is, as it is with so much to learn in freight, Uh, any additional education that you can get is going to be insightful and help you. And so like what what the CTB does is introduce you to a lot of different scenarios that you just might not be aware of. And so there's case studies like case law in the CTB program that will will show you and illustrate just different cases that have happened throughout the country of when a, a freight broker uh hired a carrier you know contracted a carrier on a on a on a particular lane and then that truck uh gets in a wreck and it leads to uh, a a death and so the question becomes who's responsible you know, or what is the responsibility of the freight broker in that scenario and so that is an instance but then there's all kinds of other instances like uh freight uh damaged freight claims and uh it goes through a lot of different uh case law and and case studies that are, that are real actual things that have happened in our world with you know different businesses throughout the throughout the years that gives you an insight into really how important our job is and how important a freight broker's job is to do it well and to make sure that these things that we do to you know not just like it, it really puts a, a greater emphasis on look we're not just booking loads and making money we are facilitating and arranging transportation of expensive equipment that is transported on really expensive equipment that is driven by people who are extremely important and uh, you know are, are are members of other people's families that navigate highways that are filled with families that look like yours. And if something goes wrong, people could die. And so what it really does not to make it morbid, but to it really puts you into a position of it, it, it kind of clarifies like, look, what we're up to is not just fun and games. It's real business. And um, if we don't do it right, then people could get hurt. And, you know, aside from that, like, what is the best way to to kind of do these things it really to me helps you refine and and it, it, it makes it um it makes you a more well-rounded professional um when when you go through the process of of getting your ctp certification because you learn some of these nuances in a greater depth and thankfully you learn them first before you're on the other end of a lawsuit and learning it the hard way you're learning it. And you you can, you can, you can say, okay, well, the reason that I'm doing this, you know, check on safety records or checking the MC or I'm, I'm, I'm asking these type of questions or what have you is because, you know, it's, it's, it's for safety. It's for, it's to make sure that things actually go the way that they're supposed to go. And uh, not just, you know, I'm not just trying to book a load, you know, to get to to get a load off my back and uh, get my boss off my back or or, or whatever, like, you know, or, or to make some money. You know, it's 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 about more than that. So um, the CTB is a, a really great uh, course that kind of gives you a, a, a in-depth look at at that. And um, that's really just kind of the beginning. There's a lot of different education models that the TIA uh, provides.
0: Well, I love it. I love it that it's a part of your uh your organization's training program. Uh, I think that is a beautiful thing when people are able to get educated, and that also makes me happy that you have that and you're in this um you know this highly visible spot as a podcaster, you know, a content creator. You guys have uh, let's talk about your podcast, okay? Um, you know, how's it? All right. So what's the name of your podcast? Anybody for millennials. Hey, (laughs) see, I love that name. That, that, that right there was uh, for me, you know, I saw that name. I was like, I I think I want to listen to this because they're talking about my, my, my type of people. So what are they talking about there? And you know, have you guys, have have you got, I know you've been doing this for a while, let's let's get those uh, details out there. When did the podcast get started? what year
1: aaron we started in august of 2019
0: yeah okay okay august of 2019 and how many episodes deep are we right now
2: oh aaron what are we Uh, 160 plus (laughs) almost once yeah i think it's like 178 168
0: oh i love it i love it i love the longevity the fact that you guys are committed to this uh, I've been doing this bad boy for two years, so the fact that you guys been doing it longer and uh, you you have that number of episodes, uh, I applaud you. Um, you know, where can the people find your content if they're listening right now and they wanted to uh, see what the millennials are talking about in trucking? Uh,
1: so the podcast is available on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, YouTube, uh, and then pdqamerica.com dot slash podcasts. Uh, So, you know, pretty much whatever device you're on, you're able to go check out the podcast if you're a podcaster.
0: Okay. Well, look, this question can, uh, can be for either one of you. But the whole point is, what's the biggest gem, the biggest tip, or the biggest piece of game you've gotten from one of the folks, one of your guests that's been on your podcast? actually let's go with both of you um, starting with michael what what would you say has been the biggest piece of game you've gotten from somebody that you've interviewed
2: i'd like Man. to thank jory for shooting me bail there
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: right you know it's it's kind of two parts one is just the quality of people that you come across in the logistics industry and it's drivers it's dispatchers it's brokers it's the people that are working on the legal side of it it's people that are working in the insurance business it's the folks that are working on capitol hill it's the folks that are working at diesel repair shops the people that are working on electric trucks and trying to figure out what how, how an automated truck can drive like uh, on the podcast we we it doesn't say trucking for millennials uh, in Texas or trucking for millennials in flatbed or trucking for millennials in diesel trucks like it's trucking for millennials like we cover we cover the industry and it's been so much fun to be able to touch so many other parts of the industry that if I wasn't on the podcast, I could probably reach out to these people and, and, and some of them may would have a conversation with me. But when you're able to approach them through the podcast the questions the answers uh the analysis the news the things that you're able to get from folks on these podcasts is just tremendous and you know i'm sure we're all the same we get push notifications on our phone for news articles all day long all day long uh you know we see oh the wall street journal is telling me this or, or us news has this but I'll tell you, man, where the real meat and potatoes is in the trucking industry is in these podcasts, and it's just—it's just like what you've got going on here, Jory. It's—it's what others around the industry have going on on their shows. Um, you know, when we kind of got in this. There weren't too many people, but COVID, there was a big, there was there was really a big rise in the amount of people that started covering it from the ground up, and it's been absolutely tremendous to see the quality of news and how much you can hear uh you know i think it's cnbc has squawk on the street like man you want to hear what's happening on the street check out these podcasts and check out shows just like yours and just like trucking for millennials i think that's where the real news is happening and that's where you can find out what's actually going on in our industry not with somebody in a collar with a camera in front of them is telling you right that, that has nothing to do with the trucking business so i think the greatest takeaway is just how how exciting and how beneficial the speakers on these shows can be um, I, I you know I think Aaron and I are a dime a dozen in this industry, but man, there are some great folks out here that are able to talk about what they're doing. I maybe I won't throw Aaron in that bucket, but sometimes I say, why does anybody listen to me on a podcast? And I'm and I and then I have to remind myself they don't. They listen to our guests.
0: <laughs> no, I it, brother. I do. And you, You're right. Um, there is a different level of um, openness, transparency when you when you invite somebody to speak on a podcast versus just, you know, hitting up, hit them up randomly, you know, giving a phone call or something like that. So um, it is a, it is a pleasure to be on this side of the content creation because, um, you know, being able to extrapolate that, that knowledge uh, and put it in such a presentable way for um, you know my listenership or just the folks who want the game it does make me feel like i'm making a difference um what about you aaron did you have anything uh that came to mind about uh something you've gotten the biggest piece of game from uh, a
2: interviewee man I, I think that for me i i'd echo most of what uh michael said i, I think that i agree with him wholeheartedly i think like there's not like a key like gem or piece or even a person because so many of them have so much to to learn from like what i what i what excites me and like gets me motivated is the fact that there are so many people that are doing really cool things or just like finding success in the industry in their own unique way and have found their way to find success in their own unique way and that like that motivates me because me and michael like we, like michael said we're the first people to tell you like who are we like we're just two dudes with a podcast you know and then like what you find out is that oh well everybody that's in the industry is just you know that lady or that guy you know that happens to have a truck company or or what have you they're 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 pretty regular like we're pretty normal we're just regular folk But what's cool is, is that like we are actually doing something that has an impact on a lot of different people. And, um, what, what, what is really cool is that there's so many different role models and what, what it shows me with the podcast is that there's so many different ways for you to be able to define your success and really find a love, uh, for this industry. And and really find your own path. There, there's so many different ways. And um, I'm just always motivated by the different types of people that we get to talk to, just like Michael said, of just like, man, I never thought about it that way, or this person uh motivates me in this particular type of way. Like it, it it's just so cool. Like I I I could think of a variety of different people. Like we've we've talked about like family businesses, we've talked about the you know just just the hustle of 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 trucking you know like like with robel or what have you and then we've talked to people who are brand new to the industry and people who've been in it longer than we've been alive you know and it's just you can always get you can always learn from someone um so yeah i think the diversity of thought and opportunity is uh the biggest thing nice
0: nice i love it man i feel like I'm getting a lot of good game from you guys. I mean, I feel like I have so many more questions and time is just going by so quickly. But, uh, you know, I say that to say, uh, maybe the biggest piece of game I've gotten is, you know, you don't have to specialize in everything. Like you don't, you yourself don't have to go learn every piece of every portion of the industry you're trying to be a part of. You can outsource that bad boy or you can employ somebody who's already specialized in that. Um, Yeah. You know
2: how, man, you know how happy I am that I don't have to talk about tomatoes and like what temperature the refrigerated freight needs to be. Like I've (laughs) never had that conversation. It's never crossed my mind and I hope it never does.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, man, I I, I hear you. It's like um, I got pointed to the book, Who, Not How. Um, And that changed my life because I was in a spot where I said I needed to know everything from the bottom up. And, uh, you know, I I was, I was taught differently. And and thing number two, that was equally as important was, um, before you do anything, build the team that's going to support it, because you don't want to be the one that has to make every decision. You know, you want to have those people that you delegate. So build the team um and then you guys can attack it together versus it all being on your shoulders so those are the things that i really really live by today and um now since we're on the 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 topic of content creation um i don't know if you guys listening are in uh on youtube and have your own channels and all that good stuff but they just allowed you to create your own handles so um if you haven't already go ahead and sign into your youtube account and you know go ahead and get the handle that you want the most and that kind of leads me back to you aaron because you also host another podcast strong calm what does that mean strong calm
2: this man did his research
0: (laughs) hey Uh. (laughs) hey yeah strong calm brother what's up
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh man, you know, as far as the content goes, like I will I will also be the first to admit like with PDQ with be, man, when it comes to like book and freight, talking to customers, you know, figuring out the operational solves that we need to figure out, uh sometimes that content goes by the wayside. So, um we keep the podcast going. It's humming every week. Uh but there's so much more that we could be doing. I always look at like, man, there's so much uh, more opportunity out there, like on YouTube or or what have you. And um, uh, yeah, so anyway, I I just, like you you motivate me, Jory, to be like, man, what more can we do? And I'm actually kind of in process of getting the YouTube uh, for PDQ America uh, kind of restarted. And I'm excited to to be at Freight Fest uh, to kind of do like a kind of a, a vlog style event. Talking about content.
0: But
2: uh right. to, a- to answer your question, Strongcom. Uh it's just kind of a I've been involved with podcasting for a while. That's really how Michael and I got connected. Uh he wanted to do the Trucking for Millennials podcast. I thought it was an awesome idea, didn't know anything about logistics and freight. So podcasting was really the way that I got into trucking. And me and Michael, you know, have a good relationship and uh it went from there. And so Strongcom. Uh, C-O-M, com is the root word that means together or in common. And it's essentially kind of like my perspective and way that I organize uh, my thinking in a way. And so uh, I I use that word as a springboard to talk about communication uh, online and off or with ourselves and with other people, community building and what values bond us together and how those two things, communication and community building build stronger company, whether that's the company that you're building, like a business or the company that you keep, like the people around you. So it's just kind of a, a frame that I have. And it's, a, it's really a, a, a kind of an excuse uh, for me to talk to people. Like, like Michael said of, of having a podcast, like there's a lot of people that I think are really interesting that I think other people should know. And so sometimes I just, I'm inspired by an individual and I'm like, well, they're a good communicator. They're a great community builder. They're a great business person. I want to know what their thoughts are on these different subjects. And that's how I kind of frame the
0: conversation. Okay. I got you.
2: No, I definitely hear you, brother. It is a
0: lot of uh, good things that uh, don't come up in normal conversation that maybe could get communicated, um, that people can get a lot of value from a lot of gain. Um, interesting thing is, you know, I talk to my wife all the time because she's a singer and she knows a lot of singer songwriters and I just tell her how they have so much power, uh, and just musicians as a whole, because of how powerful music is. And, you know, it can, it can really influence, uh, people who, who are listening to it, their decision-making and all that kind of stuff. And that they got to be very responsible with the way that they're, you know, with what they're doing with that power. Um You know, recently there was a a well-known music exec that blatantly admitted that despite the content, you know, in the music might be glorifying violence or overusing drugs or the artist themselves is participating in unhealthy behaviors, uh, they would still put out the music just because there's an audience for it and they had mouths to feed. You know, how do you feel, Aaron, about the responsibilities of the content creators who are like more so podcasting, like do you feel like there's ownership, and uh they should be mindful about what they're putting out there
2: that's a That's a good question uh you know i I think that I think that everybody has a right to voice an opinion, and I think that everybody should feel that they have that opportunity, at least in America, you know, I, I think the whole world should have you know freedom of speech is is a core tenant of our country. So I think people should have, uh, the ability and the freedom to voice whatever they want to voice as stupid as it may be. Sometimes I think that people should be able to do that. Um, as far as the responsibility for a particular creator, I think the responsibility 100% always comes down to the individual, uh, when it comes to like a particular person's actions. So I think about it in that way of like, well, what's, you know, if, if if I don't want to hear particular content, if I don't want to listen, if I don't want to see particular content, if I don't want, um, a, you know, a particular influence in my life, then my responsibility is to do something about it. It's not my responsibility to tell you, Jory, what I need you to do. It's my responsibility to to make whatever move that I need to make to make sure that I'm protecting my own you know what i mean so like i feel like that there there's like a a personal individual responsibility that everybody has that sh- they should exercise uh before they should try and remove somebody's right of opinion or thought out there i you know i i think there is something to be said for people that are in grand powers of uh, uh, great influence like you know but at the same time you know, um, I, you know, you, th- you like the, you know, a, a president comes to mind, you know, Kanye West comes to mind in those, uh, you know, uh, for example of like, well, you know, what about them? I think they should have the same rights and stuff, but, uh, at the same time, um, you know, that's a, that, that's a, that's a, I don't have the solve for it, but, um, Hey, they and, uh, just
1: seem to be more like Charles Barkley and say, "I am not a role model." You know, just come out and say it. Hey, <laughs> I'm not up. a
2: role model.
0: <laughs> just straight up, it does yeah. it does uh, get somebody off the hook. It's just like, look, man, I'm out here just living my life, and uh, I'm making the best decisions with the at the level of awareness I'm at right now. So, uh, you know, don't 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 think I'm trying to make the example. I know I hear you. I definitely hear you, and I like that response, Aaron. Um, I agree with you brother at the end of the day, uh, Michael, you know, for you, um, I did want to bring it back. Cause I know that our time is coming close. Um, you know, so PDQ America offers both the, you still, you still do carrier services, correct? Uh,
1: when you say carrier services, what,
0: like, what do, do you mean? have uh, equipment? Like, are you guys asset based and sometimes move freight mm-hmm. with your own equipment?
1: Yes. So I do have, we we have some owner operators that lease on equipment with us. I personally do not own any more equipment with the company. Um, I I went some different routes as time went on and, and have been able to, you know, I kind of started seeing there's other ways to expand our business and also expand others. And that's, that's been from an asset perspective. That's how we've been growing our business
0: since. Okay. So since you started as a carrier and you, you know, grew into a broker, do you feel like you relate to both of the plights? You know what I mean? As far as uh, what a broker is thinking they deserve versus what a carrier feels like they're owed and all those type of things. Do you feel like you you align with both plights or do you align with more one more than the other?
1: oh man i i think business in general is just like working out i should have started yesterday um mm. it's it's like there's never a right time besides right now and you're always going to feel like you're behind um i i definitely man whenever i was only a carrier i i had i had a lot of issues with brokers um now that we're a broker i think there's carriers that at times have issues with with us like it's it's almost a formality of the industry. I think whatever hat you're wearing, you know, as we as we run loads with our own trucks and we have to find backhauls and things, we still deal with the same challenges that others may feel like they're dealing with us. But I will say, whenever you've been on both sides of it, you start to understand this the perspective of both and, and just how like you and I had a great discussion on our episode of Trucking for Millennials where we discussed kind of dispatching and And the issues that brokers have with it, the issues that dispatchers have with, it, as we go back and forth and have this dialogue, it starts to really open up and you start to understand each other's side better. And something in 2014 that wasn't there is there weren't podcasts. There wasn't a whole lot of content out there telling me that the broker really wasn't trying to screw me. And, you know, now I feel like there's content out there that says there's better brokers, there's better carriers, there's people in the industry that you don't want to work with, but there's more people in the industry that you do and should work with. Uh, so, to say that, like, I feel like we were, you know, whenever it comes to like our rates lower or should this, this, this truck be taking that rate, I think it boils down to what is your business? What can it handle? And we, we're not the type of brokerage that we just go with the lowest, uh, with the lowest quote. We don't just go with the carrier that comes in with the best rate or says, Yeah, I'll take it for this. Uh, We look at a lot of things, you know, what is your success rate? How have you worked with other brokerages? Have you worked with us before? If you have worked with us, what was that experience like? And I'm sure that whenever I was hauling loads for brokers, that 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 was probably very similar to what they were looking at as well. But man, I'll tell you, I I understand the frustrations with calling a brokerage and all you really need is a couple of hundred dollars more to be profitable on a load and they will just not give it to you. And it is is a sick feeling, especially whenever you finally give in and just take the load and you know you're not getting what you should. It's a sick feeling and I I hate that it's part of the industry, but I, I don't think that there's, I used to take it a lot more personal than probably I would now.
0: I got you. I got you. I hear you, brother. Um, you mentioned that you know even to this day sometimes you have to get backhauls and you know do you feel like it's kind of a catch 22 you know maybe your carrier side grow like your asset side is growing so you're working with uh, more shippers and they they look real good but you can't work with them as a broker because you met them as a carrier like do you feel like it's a catch 22 in there somewhere
1: uh no, I, I don't. I, I think I understood it from the from the get go, right? Like what what each shot is. And and I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Like, listen, especially in the oil field, there's some there's a question you have to ask yourself very early on is Am I willing to break the rules to get a load there? And it's almost what every hot shot trucking company and every small trucking business at some point is gonna have to ask themselves is Am I willing to break hours or break the law to be able to get a load there? And the first time you're asked that question, you know, I compared it to playing blackjack and I, I don't know if if either one of y'all gamble or not, but when you play blackjack, you know, and you land on 16, one of the worst strategies that you can have in the game is alternating and just going with your in quotes gut. Like what you should do is know I'm either going to hit every time or I'm never going to hit. And when it comes to safety, uh and And running over hours and doing things like that you, you have to make a decision early on. This is either how you're going to run your business or how you're not and when it came to working with brokers and when it came to us as a carrier and us also having a brokerage arm, I understood that in those contracts it said i couldn't do certain things and there were certain things that I would be I, I could get in a bind for and I think you just have to tell yourself who are you trying to be in this industry and are you willing to honor contracts and honor the laws that are presented in front of you? And it's very easy if from day one you can just make the decision to do it the right way and say, Hey, I'm never gonna have to ask a tough question of myself. I just know that the answer is gonna be the right one. I'm not going to break rules. I'm not gonna go against contracts I've signed. Even if they seem aggravating at times, I'm gonna honor them. And you can rest easy at night whenever you've You know, and in our case, nine years ago, made the decision to run our business that way.
0: I love it, brother. Man, you you hit one of those things that I say, I want to be able to sleep easy at night. You know, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything in the light and, uh, you know, we can just go from there. So, no, I I love that response. And, um, you know, we talked about the TIA recently, you know, so this is this is we've talked about one of those plights the tia feels or we're about to talk about one of those plights the tia feels uh, a broker has to go through uh and i just want to get your your honest feedback you know being as how you are you're also a carrier all right so look 371.3 371.3 of the federal code of regulation states uh a broker shall keep a record of each transaction for the purpose of this section, brokers may keep master list of co-signers and the address and registration number of the carrier rather than repeating this information for each transaction. The, rec- the record shall show the name and address of the co the name and address and registration number of the originating motor carrier, uh, the bill of lading or freight bill number, the amount of compensation received by the broker for the broker's service, performed in the name of the payer um, of compensation received for the service. Uh, I kind of got lost. (laughs) A description of any non-broker service performed in connection with each shipment or other activity, the amount of compensation received for the service and the name of the payer. Um, So this is basically something that the TIA is asking to be removed because uh, this is basically saying that uh, a carrier has the right to request this information from each broker that they're running loads for. And the TIA is saying that, no, we should have that removed, Um, you know, transparency and all. How do you guys feel about that? Because, you know, as a carrier, you know, it might give you some better negotiating power if you're able to get those records to say, how much um, the broker actually made on the low, so if it comes around again sometime and conditions are the same, maybe you can negotiate a little bit better um, but you know as a as a as a broker, they're saying that that's being too transparent. How do you feel about it? Michael,
1: <laughs> Michael. Well, I thought, I thought, I thought Aaron was going
2: to get this one first. <laughs> you know, I got I mean, you, brother. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll warm you here. I'll, I'll go first, Michael, because I'll just warm you up. <laughs> 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 so I, I know what you're talking about, Joy, and this has been a conversation that, you know, Oh, Ida has like beat the drum on this and championed uh, for a long, long time. And I can, and I know why they do it. They're the owner operator, independent driver association. So of course it's in the best interest of drivers to know what brokers are making on every load. Uh, the TIA's argument is kind of like, well, you don't go into any other place of business and then demand and, and, and say, Hey, Mr. Business owner, I know you bought these at wholesale prices and you're selling to me at retail prices. Um, how about you tell me the wholesale price and then we'll negotiate based on what I know now, instead of the value of what this is at this point. And so the TIA is saying that, you know, that's that like this, this clause or what have you is sort of like doing that to any other business and it doesn't exist in any other business. So why should it exist for ours? And, uh, I agree with that. I I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Um. I don't think it really helps anybody. And I think we can do a lot of good businesses, good business with truck drivers and carriers, um, just the way that we have always been thousands and thousands and thousands of times over every single day, um, without introducing this whole nother layer of what's fair in this whole transaction. Um, because, you know, um, I know truck drivers have costs, but so do brokers. So that's, that's kind of my take. I'll let Michael go now.
1: All right. Well, whenever, how I look at it, Jory is, Aaron brings up a good point. We don't go to McDonald's and ask them, how much did you spend on this burger before you buy it? Or even after I bought it and ate it and then said, how much did you actually spend? I know I spent $4 on it, but what did you spend? You know, to be honest, we may not actually want to know what McDonald's spent to make that burger. (laughs) But, But how I look at it with freight is, yes, I understand the rules that brokerages have and that if a carrier comes by our office, you know, we can disclose certain information uh and may even be required to uh but how i look at it is i've never had a carrier that wanted to come in and look at i've never had a one a carrier that did want to come in and look at it so I, i understand this this rule gets thrown out there quite a bit but i think one of the things we have to ask ourselves is how many carriers are actually wanting to do this uh, how many carriers actually want to go by brokerage, go to their office and on paper, see what the amount was that the the broker got paid. And and one thing that I've learned from being on the brokerage side of it, that it's not what you think. Um, I, I know what I used to think it was. And then I now I see what it actually is. Um, and it's tough. You know, I, I think we have to look at it from as a carrier. We have to look at it and say, not every freight brokerage is the first or second largest or leading freight brokerage in North America, right? Like we're, we're not all that. Um, some of us are Ma and Paul businesses out here trying to support eight, eight families, 10 families, just like these small trucking companies are And the last way we're going to do it is, 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 is make it, you know, hitting a lick on one load at the expense of one of, our, one of our best carriers. It just doesn't make sense in our business. And what I've learned in small brokerages is you can do that for a period of time. But if you're someone that's been in business for five, 10, 15 years, there's a good chance you're not taking any more than you than you should. I think what the, the what's in question is that number of what is fair and what should the broker be taking. And, you know, it, it's. I think it's different on every single load and and to your question of what do I think about the law being removed or whether it's there, um, you know, all I'll say is that no carriers actually, I haven't had an issue with a carrier coming to our office and wanting to know that as a carrier, I've never went to a brokerage's office and asked that information. Um, I I don't really have enough time in my day to worry about that. I know that if I got the load and I moved on and, and we did it, that is what it is. Um, but I I think that you just gotta, you just gotta trust the industry and trust the rates that you're getting. And if, if you're so caught up in it that you think you need to go to someone's office and check out their rates, then you may need to start taking a look at your own business and how you're operating it. Because if, if you're, if your margins in your business is depending on whether that care, whether that trucking company or brokerage is carrying a 20% margin or a 15% margin. Then that that's not enough for to warrant. I think the interest that so many people have taken. And I would also like to say, who is it really? Carriers doing this, or is it more of the talking heads in the industry that are stirring this stuff up? You know, because I I don't have a lot of carriers just sitting there saying, "Well, I want to know the rate. You should disclose the rate, right?" So I, I just wonder how much of it is like people just stirring that up, than it is actually carriers wanting to. Hold brokers to that, and coming by their office to see what that rate was. I got
0: you. Well, hey, uh, I, I'm happy for the uh, candid feedback, the the honest perspective from the both of you, gentlemen. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're on the podcast. I got to be impartial. <laughs> you know, I'm just here to to talk. You know, versus how I feel about the situation. But I'm, I'm definitely happy that you guys. Joy, I mean,
1: you, you know, before before like what what's, I guess I want to ask, though, you and you asked us on our on our podcast a question. So what what do you think on that? Like, you know, from a dispatcher's perspective, you obviously talk to a lot more brokers than I do on a day to day basis. So what's your thought on that law
0: uh, or, or yeah. that ruling? Well, to be honest, I think that it was put in there for a purpose. So I wouldn't take it out. I mean. If it's in there, I would keep it in there. And for the people who want to uh, leverage it in the ways that it's written, I would say go ahead, let them do what they need to do. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm not. It's nothing more than that. If it's in there, it was written for a reason. So um, you know, if it's just, I don't see any other. I don't. I don't really have a, a. That's that's what I'm gonna say on that response. It's just if it's in there. Um, and, you know, it was written in there for some purpose. I, I do think that the people who are interested in using that information uh, should be able to. I guess that's uh, the, the formal response of, you know, just like Aaron with, you know, uh, anybody can speak what they want to speak, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. If it's in there uh, and people want to use it, um, use that, that, um, that clause, to get information uh, i would say okay um so yeah but that's my perspective now because i have always represented the carriers um you know everything that i've done in this industry has been uh, supporting either uh, a driver uh, a corporation with 600 700 drivers um or you know my my owner operators that i dispatch for so that's always been my perspective in the way that I've seen the industry. Um, if I was in the position of a brokerage, maybe I would see things differently. Uh, but right now, I would go with that one. Um, but yeah, so that's. I mean, I appreciate you you asking me the question, Michael. You you got to you know. So uh, I think
1: I think that's a fair answer. I, I'll give you that. I think it's a fair answer, and it's a good question. It really is, and I think it's one that like. You know, I mean, we're not going to solve it here here tonight, but I, I definitely think it's a good question, and it really has gained a lot more attention over the last year and a half.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, well, look, I mean, I know that we're closing out. Um, I did want to throw this out there for the people who are interested, maybe in the Atlanta area. I'm a part of a, a group called the Atlanta Logistics Connection, and we uh, we host two golf tournaments uh, each year. So we just did ours, uh, in October, you know, so it was November 2nd now. So yeah, last month we did one and, uh, you know, I know that Michael, what are you shooting in golf these days?
1: Jory, I'm I'm around a ten handicap, so it's nothing special. I, I did I played in college, and I'm not quite the player that I used to be. I guess you could say logistics finally got to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I feel it, man. I feel it. The funny thing is, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to get out there myself. Most of the time, I'm either you know volunteering or I got to go work, so I haven't, I haven't had an opportunity to get out there. Um, but it, even in researching you just a bit man It kind of reminded me of one of my carriers. I used to dispatch for this man used to get very 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 excited about NASCAR like but specifically uh, Talladega um, I mean like it was a big thing He always took off of work went out there for the week camped out uh, I think he had a camper or something of that sort um, and I know that you said that or you you've mentioned um, that NASCAR and being able to see those in live action have been part of your your lifestyle recently. Have you been able to get over to Talladega?
1: Man, I have never been to Talladega. It is a bucket list for my wife and I. We can't. We know we're going to go one day. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Lord willing, uh, we cannot wait to get to Talladega. We do love NASCAR. This Sunday's the championship race. If anybody, I. I don't know if anybody saw last week, but Ross Chastain at Martinsville, he went into the wall and recorded the fastest lap ever at Martinsville Speedway. It was one of the coolest things in sports. Uh, even if you're not a NASCAR or a motorsports fan, it's absolutely cool. Go YouTube it and see what Ross Chastain did on the last lap of last week. But man, we love NASCAR. Um, it's it's fun to watch, and, you know, I think it's cool – I. I I was into NASCAR early 2000s whenever I was in high school and I got out of it. But then whenever COVID hit, there was no more sports on, man. And I I, I love sports, man. I live it. I, I watch basketball, baseball, football, and there was nothing going on. But during COVID, NASCAR came back. So they were, you know, you don't have to have a whole lot of inter- human interaction in a car. So um, we were watching these NASCAR races, man, and just got hooked to it. And uh we we do enjoy going we went for my wife's birthday recently to a race and we try to go to a couple a year And talladega is definitely on our bucket list thank you for asking
0: yeah no doubt man and look this is the reason why i wanted to bring it up uh one of the guests that i had in the past uh carrier she's a carrier she is a carrier And, uh, she actually sponsored a NASCAR. So I didn't know if that was something that might also be on your bucket list, but you know, if it's something you never thought about it, uh, thought about, I wanted to at least, uh, you know, put it in your, in your mindset. So maybe, maybe PDQ America, uh, might have their own NASCAR one day. So, uh, I like that idea. Yeah. Michael we
2: gotta do it bro <laughs> oh
0: dude i'd I'd love to see the red white and blue paint
1: scheme on a car with the pdq America logo would absolutely love it so, be so awesome. cool jory you just you just added something to my bucket list
0: there tonight thank you <laughs> no doubt well look man uh that's that's basically it I mean I'm just very very uh I'm just feel blessed that you brothers were able to join me on stage uh is there anything that you guys wanted to say? as we closed out the discussion tonight
1: man just thank you so much for having us on jory thank you for coming on our podcast this has been a a great time and fun just chopping it up again thank you to you and your listeners and your followers uh keep keep hanging in there with jory he's got some great information we really enjoyed him on our podcast and uh Thank you for what you're doing for the industry and spreading the good word and trying to help people out. And thank you too, Aaron, like both of you guys, man, both of y'all are putting good information out there, trying to do the right thing. And I think that, you know, uh, we get some more in the industry, just like y'all two guys, like the uh, the trajectory is only going to improve. All right, all right.
2: Thank you, brother. Um, Aaron, did you want to say anything? Yeah, likewise, man. Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, thank you, Jory. Uh, it, it's awesome to connect with you. I knew from the minute that uh, I like started to follow you on LinkedIn, we got connected. It would be a good conversation, and uh, it, it's great to see that. Like, I think it's always just so cool to to see new nooks and crannies of the industry. And so, uh, the cool thing to me is that every individual that's in the industry has the same capability to create that like unique impact and it might not always be a podcast it might not be a clubhouse it might not be an event or or whatever it might just be man this person dispatches loads like nobody's business in remote you know georgia or uh you know (laughs) wherever you know what i mean like like she's the best dispatch and that that's the cool thing it's like everybody has the capability to make an impact in the industry. And, uh, I think everybody that the, the industry is going to get, you know, that much better, that much more enjoyable, that much stronger, uh, the more people that like really realize that and make it, make that effort. So I would encourage everybody to continue making that effort and, uh, connect with us. I mean, we would like to do business with people that, well, we, we get introduced with through stuff like this. So, uh, follow me or follow PDQ America on you know, Instagram, listen to the show. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can hit us up. And I mean, we we'll, we, we, we have an open door policy pretty much. And so, uh, you know, it, the, the invite is open. All right. Cool. 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 Well, I love it. Thank you again, gentlemen. Uh, next week,
0: folks, we are going to be interviewing uh, a compliance specialist. So, uh, oh no, actually I'm getting ahead of myself. That's two weeks from now next week you know how we talked about who not how well this might be that resource so that you can uh you know get those virtual assistants or those people from offshore for maybe a little bit more of an economical rate uh you know so tune in next week also on monday we're going to be tuning in with uh sonar team we missed it this week just because our brother zach was traveling to the freight conference uh but he is going to be back this coming monday so tune in just like every other week 7:30, to find out where to position your trucks to take advantage of market conditions and uh, i guess if you're a broker where to be where you can actually make those uh margins so uh thank you again everybody for the continued support god bless you peace